ahead and grab your seat there if you would. First Corinthians chapter 1. If you uh, want to pull out your Bible uh, and follow along with me, if not, we'll have the scripture up here on the screen. Um, you know, last couple of weeks, we've had some guest speakers that have been phenomenal. Pastor Kirk Pankratz, two weeks ago, did a phenomenal job. Um, last week, Pastor Dustin Woodward did a phenomenal job. And um, one of the things, when they were teaching and talking, I sat on the front row, took about two to three pages of notes. The reason is, is because we have a small window of opportunity. I'm only going to be speaking for about the next hour and a half. And um, <laughs> I haven't used that joke in a while, so I just thought I'd pull that one out. You know, okay, anyway. Um, but I, I, I don't want to waste opportunities where the word of God is being taught. You know, we can kind of just, again, mail it in today. We can kind of go through the motions. Or we can dig into the word of God and begin to understand the promises that God has for us. Peter talks about that we need to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So it's important for us to dig into the word of God and not let this be some check, you know, box that we check off going, okay, I got that done, so I'm, I'm good for the week, but we want to we leave this place different today. Amen? So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross, how many of you know that the message of the cross is actually good news? The message of the cross is not start obeying, follow the rules, follow the regulations. That's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross is, hey, check out what Jesus did. The message of the cross, though, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, one of my favorite Greek words, sozo, means saved from hell, but it means to be healed, to delivered, to set free, to be provided for, that God wants all of those things in our life in salvation. Salvation is not about just getting saved, making heaven, and kind of holding on to a horrible life while you get there. It's about walking in an abundant life here and now. It is, it, for us being saved, watch this, it is the power of God. Listen, if you believe in the good things of God, that power of God begins to well up in your life in faith. You begin to walk out things of God. Now, have you ever wondered why the world, and I'm talking about ungodly people, are so violently opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, to Christianity? I mean, you, you watch the news, and man, Christians get, get just attacked all the time. For our, our belief, we, we are told that we're intolerant because we think differently than other people. Listen, we're being attacked all the time. Now, obviously, it is a spiritual battle, but the Bible says that the message of the cross, it's foolishness. So the world can't understand Christianity. There's literally a veil that comes over their heart and over their eyes. They can't understand that it's good news. Now, unfortunately, there have been some Christians that have not been good representatives of the good news. All right? Unfortunately, there are sometimes some Christians that are mean. Just so you know, I've discovered waiters that are mean. I've discovered business people that are mean. I've discovered people in all walks and areas of life that are mean. And so what we've got to make sure that we understand is we've got to understand that to them it's foolishness because there has become a veil over their heart. See, the life of Jesus Christ, following, being a follower of Jesus Christ is a life of faith. It's not a life of what I feel. It's not a life of what I can see. 
It's not a, a life of what I can understand. Now, I love it when I feel the good things of God coming in my life. I love it when I see the reality of the good things showing up in my life. And I like it when I understand the promises of God. But whether I do any of those things, it's a life of faith. I simply see the promise of God and I say, I choose to believe it. Now, if I'm not careful, I can let my emotions say, that's not right. You don't feel that. My feelings have nothing to do with the life of faith. So the world can't understand this. Check this out. The life of faith is lived out in the life of believer with kind of basically two thoughts going on. If, if you could think of like a train track with two rails going on it. And it's, it's the one side, it's who we are, that we're righteous, we're redeemed, we're overcoming, we're healed, and we're delivered. Now we're going to be, we are. We are those things. But who we are is often different than what it is we're actually going to become or what it is we are right now. How many of you recognize you're still a work under progress? There might be some areas in your life that you're not overcoming. There might be some areas in your life where you're not seeing healing or deliverance taking place yet. Now, stay with me just a second because I want to kind of dig down really deep today, all right? You're going to have to put your thinking cap on. In fact, why don't you just do like this? Put your thinking cap on. All right. All right. Listen to this. One of the challenges that I face as a pastor is bringing you messages that are balanced with who you are as a child of God and how you need to act or respond now that you are a child of God. They're, they're, they're sometimes conflicting. That you're righteous, but sometimes you have some unrighteous acts. All right? Who you are is the root all right? It's the thing that you can't see. It's, it's underground. How you behave is the fruit. And unless the root is right, the fruit will never be right. So we need to understand the root, but we also need to understand the fruit, what it looks like. You see, seeing the fruit is the indicator of what is actually happening at the root level. All right? Let me say that again. Seeing the fruit is actually the indicator of what is happening at the root level. If there's bad fruit, something's wrong at the root. And what we've done for years in the church is we've focused on the fruit. Right? We beat people up. Man, you're just this. You're just that. But God's word, the Bible, it helps us understand what bad fruit looks like. And the root of all those bad things is condemnation and unbelief. We're either believing an accusation of the enemy or we're simply making a choice to say, I don't believe that. Pastor Richie, I'm not in charge of my belief system. You actually are in charge of your belief system. You may not always be in control of your emotions and feelings. They might be bouncing all over the place. But you can be in charge of what you believe. So the root is, a bad fruit is condemnation and unbelief. And then it ends up showing up in wrong behavior. Let me make it real practical for you. See, I can believe that I trust God with my finances, my children, and my health. But if I'm anxious, worried, and afraid about my finances, children, and my health, because I'm anxious, worried, and afraid, that is the indicator, the fruit, that I really don't believe God's promises related to those areas of my life. Pastor Rich, I have a responsibility to worry. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to worry. In fact, next week, I'm actually going to be talking about what it means to labor to enter into God's rest of 
Ah, oh, God, I just trust you. You don't, you don't have to worry. Listen, you can be saved. Somebody that's going to heaven and on your way to heaven and still not believe some of God's promises in certain areas of your life. And in those areas of your life, since to you, the message of the cross in that area is foolishness, you're going to find yourself perishing in that area of your life. Listen, we see Christians all the time who really love Jesus. They really do. But they have areas of their life where they're living defeated because they don't have a revelation about the finished work of Jesus Christ in that area. So for them, it's foolishness and they're perishing. They're struggling over. Listen, and I don't believe that there's anyone here this morning that wants to remain there. Amen? So, I want us to dig into the Word of God in this series and help us understand that we can grow in our understanding of how the cross has made us fit to succeed in every area and arena of our lives. Now, some of you are going to have to believe that right from the get-go. Because you have a track record or a history with family that we've always been whatever. You're going to have to believe that God wants you to succeed in every area and arena of your life. So what do you believe about what the word of God says about you? Do you believe that because of the cross, you're righteous? Do you believe that you're redeemed? Do you believe that you're an overcomer? Do you believe that you're healed? Do you believe that you're delivered today? Well, Richie, I'm really not seeing any of that yet. I'm not asking you if you see it. I'm asking if you believe it. I'm asking you if you believe the things that God says about you, about your health, about your finances, about your marriage, about your kids, about your future. Do you believe what God's word says? All right. Looking at it in a very practical sense, I'm not in the best shape that I could be in. That's not a time to say amen, by the way. All right? No surprises there. But I believe that I am a healthy, fit, and strong man. It's in here somewhere in the root. It's covered up by a few things right now, but it's somewhere here in the root. What this man is waiting for is just for the right behavior in my life to get out of my life so that I can see him, the fruit. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down? So I believe that there's a healthy man in here somewhere. This guy right here. Go ahead, guys. This guy right here, all right? And if I will give just a little bit of focused energy and attention to finding this healthy person, even though right now it's this guy, all right? I'm going to give some attention to the root. What's the root of physical exercise? Rest, diet, and exercise. Nothing new there, right? So if we all know that, why is not all of that happening in our life? Come on. Listen, if if I've got to do those things to get the fruit of this guy back in my life. All right? Back to the other one again. This is who I am right now. It's what you see on the outside, back to the other one, guys, but on the inside, this is the guy that's inside of me. Now, 
I'm not saying that so that you can be watching me over the next several weeks going, all right, let's watch how pastor progresses. I can't wait to do this. But I'm saying this so that you can understand that I have to believe that that in-shape guy is actually on the inside of me before I'll actually do anything to get the inside guy on the outside of me. Because i got to tell you, for years, I've always hated exercise. I have. You know, it's one of those things. I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, man, I can't wait to exercise today. In fact, if you are like that, I hate you. All right? Just want to let you know that right now. Now, just so you know, the guy that actually works me out is like that. He wakes up in the morning going, man, I can't wait. In fact, we work out and I'm dripping with sweat. I'm tired. I can barely lift my arms to grab my glasses off the shelf and put them on. And he goes, you want to go a few more rounds? You got about 15 more minutes? I don't. So I have to believe, though, that guy is in my life. And now that I believe that guy is in my life, I want to begin giving attention so the guy that's actually who I am can actually get out and become what you guys see. Is this making sense? See, once I believe that it's actually who I am, that I am fit and healthy, I can actually become who I am, and that belief will cause me to become more intentional and to live my life focused on becoming that. you got to understand this, because when you begin to understand God's promises for you and you don't believe them, the message of the cross is foolishness to you. But when you go, whoa, 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 check out that promise in the Word of God. Are y'all reading this? Are y'all seeing what God's promising us? That's who I am. I'm going to start acting in ways that are going to produce who I am, even though right now I'm not seeing who I actually am. Are you all hearing me today? Listen, that's why we speak words of life over our children and our friends, because we want them to believe what the Word of God says about them, so that they'll continue or begin to act in a way that is allowing the person that's on the inside of them, even though you may not be seeing them right now, to come out of them. In fact, if you keep saying the wrong thing over your husband, over your wife, over your kids, over your friends, don't be surprised when that person keeps showing up. You want to have a wonderful marriage? You want to be in some great relationships? You start speaking life over those things. Man, thank you for being the best friend ever. Thank you for being a wonderful wife. Thank you for bringing me tea when I'm watching football. Y'all grew up with a dad like that? Oh, man. My dad used to sit on the couch. I can sit, God rest his soul. My dad used to sit on the couch, and he would rattle his tea when he was done. When the glass was empty, man, I would get shot if that happened. But listen, we, we're speaking, not that I would get shot. I don't want to speak those words of life. Let me take those back. All right. We want to speak what we want to see. We got to believe that it can become that. That's why we speak words of life over our situations and our challenges and our difficulties. We're not unaware of the situation we're dealing with. Christianity doesn't mean that you become stupid. It means that you just live above your feelings. You live above the circumstances. You live above the storms. And you're saying, God, I trust you. I trust your promises. And yes, I might deal with some emotions that are up and down, and I might step into moments of faith and moments of doubt, but I'm going to constantly be recalibrating my life to walk in the moments of faith. Listen, if we begin to do that, we'll begin to speak life. We'll begin to see the fruit of faith show up in our lives. So I want to talk today about how the cross 
has made you fit. How the cross has qualified you to receive every promise that you can find in the word of God. And, and, and I was very specific with that line because you have to understand that your Bible is filled with promises. But it does you absolutely no good if you don't know the promises that God has for you. And it can't be I just read it once. You got to read it, you got to understand it, you got to dwell on it, you got to think about it, you got to talk it, you got to declare it, and you'll start to believe it in your life. Listen, Jesus dying on the cross provided a way for people to become righteous. To put us in right standing or relationship with God. He became the qualifier. You today have been, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been pre-qualified to receive every one of God's blessings. You don't have to fill out any more paperwork. You've been pre-qualified today. So I want to look at the word of God and I wanna, I'm going to start again today. Today's going to be a little bit deeper. Not all of them are going to be quite this deep. But today I want to start a little deep and I want to build a theological understanding. All that means is an understanding of God. So that you can really begin to understand that because of Jesus Christ, you are righteous today. Now, in order to understand why we need to be righteous, we have to understand how we became unrighteous in the first place. So we're going to be piling through some scripture in Romans chapter 5. You might want to write that down in Romans chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at some of these verses today. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this. Therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. Now, let me ask you, who was the one man that was responsible for bringing sin into the world? Adam. Now, it's not our Adam, but that's Adam and Eve Adam. Adam, right? Adam was the one man. Now, check this out. When sin came into the world, what else came into the world? Death. Death came in. So when your friends tell you, well, if God is such a God of love, why do we have all of this destruction and hate and anger and all these things going on? Because God loved us so much, he gave us a free will for us to choose to love him. And in our free will, we choose wrong. And when we choose wrong, sin and brings in death. So when you sin in your marriage, it brings death into your marriage. When you sin in the area of finances, it brings death into your finances. When you bring sin into the area of health, it brings death into the area of your health. We've got to understand the connection of those two. So death showed up. So again, Adam is responsible for sin, and when sin showed up, death showed up. And the Bible says that in this way, death came to all men because all sin. You see, since Adam was the first man, we all came from the first man. And so when Adam sinned, when we were in him when he sinned, his sin infected his seed that would come after him. Which simply means that from that time on, anyone that was born into the world was born as a sinner. It means that you don't have to lie, cheat, cuss, steal, anything to be a sinner. All you have to do to be a sinner is to be born. So before you beat up your little brother or sister, you were already a sinner. Before you stole a toy from someone in the nursery, you were already a sinner. Because you were in Adam when he sinned, you now become a part of the sin race because of what Adam did. All right? If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right. Verse 13. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. There was no law then. The law didn't show up until Moses. Even over those who did not, break sin, did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. Now watch this, verse 15. 
But the gift is not like the trespass. Now, let me ask you today, do you have to work in order to qualify for a gift? Some of you are unsure because you have people in your life that say, I'll give you this gift if you'll do this for me. Right? Every time that you get a gift, you can see the strings actually attached to it. That's not a gift. It's not a gift. What that is is an obligation. It's a payment. Look, look, if you'll do this, this is what I do with my staff. You show up to work and you work hard, I'll pay you at the end of the month. All right? It's not a gift. I'm not giving them a gift. I am paying them for something that they did. So it's a, a gift. And when it's a gift, you don't have to do anything. Let me, let me say that again because I know some of you didn't really hear me say that. When it's a gift, you don't have to do anything. Oh man, I hope y'all get this. It was just given to you and you received it because it was a gift. Let's go on again. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man... We are all born into sin, death, because of Adam. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Notice the Bible says the gift that came by grace. Gift and grace. Gift and grace. Both of these terms mean that you didn't do anything to earn it, nor can you do anything to earn it. When you gave your life to Christ, well, God, I I did this, so now you have to do this. God's saying, no, it's a gift. In fact, if you're going to try to be righteous in yourself, you don't understand righteousness yet. You need to come back and seek me a little bit later. And even once we get saved, because this is the biggest challenge that we face once we get saved, God, I prayed this week, I need you to do a miracle in my life. God, I, I, I had a quiet time. I was nice. I didn't cut the person off that cut me off. I was kind, right? So God, you, oh, no, no, no. Listen, you can't do anything to earn it, nor can you do anything to keep it in your life. It is a free gift. It's a free gift. It is unearned, undeserved. That's why it's so important for you to understand that because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, when Jesus said it is finished, he wasn't kidding. He was saying, it's finished, it's completed, it's done. Walk in what I've already done for you. Are my behaviors important? Absolutely. Begin, because the sin brings death into our life. So what we want to learn how to do is, God, this is your promise. God, I want to walk in obedience to walk in the promises. And when I mess up, not if I mess up, but when I mess up, I can stand back up and say, God, thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to avoid that pitfall. I'm going to avoid that behavior, and I'm going to learn how to grow and become everything you've designed and created me to be. Listen, most Christians today are still trying to earn their salvation. Well, God did this for me, so, man, i got to do that for him. You do not see it as a gift. If you think that way, you feel that way, you don't see salvation and righteousness as a free gift. We're trying to earn our salvation, even though God's word keeps trying to explain how it works by using words like gift and grace. Gift and grace. 
Again, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? It overflows to every one of us here today. So again, sin came by the one man, Adam. But now this free, unearned, undeserved, merited favor that we don't have to work for, this gift came by grace through faith in Jesus. You see, just like sin came through the one man, Adam, now the gift of God's grace comes to you and I through the one man, Jesus Christ. Do you, do you see how good news this actually is today? Verse 16, again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Justification simply means declared righteous. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more, whew, how much more will those who receive an abundant provision of grace and the gift of what? The gift of what? what what's the gift again? The gift of righteousness will reign, or the Bible, that, that word means to rule. To rule in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Listen, when you're reigning in life, your problems aren't. When you're reigning in life, your sin isn't. When you're reigning in life, circumstances aren't. You're actually reigning in life. But what has to happen? You have to receive an abundance of grace. I don't know about you, but I used up all the grace that I had from yesterday, yesterday. I need a fresh download of God's grace today. Because I'm probably going to say something, do something, and act in a certain way that's not quite right. And so I want to receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So when I begin to recognize and I behave wrong, I say, that's not who I am. What on earth am I doing that for? Why am I talking that way? Why am I saying that? Because that's not who I am. So righteousness is a free gift you didn't have to work for. It simply came by the one man, Jesus. Man, this is getting me excited today. So just like sin came through the one man, Adam, when you were born in your natural flesh, you were born a sinner, but when you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you were born again. God did not fix you. You became a brand new creation in Christ. You were born righteous today by the free gift of God's grace. So even though you were born a sinner, when you received Jesus into your heart, you were born again and became completely righteous. Listen, you cannot become more righteous than you are today. Pastor Rich, you don't know my behavior. I'm not talking about your fruit. I'm talking about who you are, root. You cannot become more righteous. And if you believe that you cannot become more righteous, you'll start living in a way that lines up with the righteous person that you actually are. People say this all the time, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You are not. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. It can't be both. Because if you believe that you're a sinner, you'll continue to produce the evidence that you are a sinner. Well, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, cuss, cuss, cuss. I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. Bad things, bad things, bad things. But I just didn't want to do anything in front of y'all. But I'm capable of sinning occasionally. But if I begin to understand that I'm righteous... I start acting just like the workout issue. If I believe that that person is possible inside of me, I start acting in a way that sees that person inside of me come out of me. Listen, when you begin, again, this is at the core. This is foundational. If you get this right, everything else starts to work in your life. You start understanding the love of God because you understand that you do not deserve to be righteous. You don't deserve the favor of God. You get the favor of God simply because of the goodness of God. All right, flip back to Romans 3. 
Again, Romans 5, we're trying to understand how God works. Listen, we can't decide that we're going to choose for God how he's going to work. We have to understand how he works. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves not knowing who God is, not knowing who we are, and not understanding his promises for us. And we're going to find ourselves being defeated by an enemy and stranded from God's promises. Simply because we didn't believe what Jesus has already accomplished. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Here's a very familiar verse. If you grew up in church, man, you know this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some of you are saying it with me today because you've been taught that so much. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. Right? Now just think about it for a moment. How many more times have you been taught that than what I just talked about in Romans chapter 5, that those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? A lot more times, right? And what we don't recognize is that we have a tendency in church to focus on a sin consciousness. Stop doing it. 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 Right? Instead of, hey, here's who you are, here's who you are, here's what you need to do, here's who you are. And this, this verse gets taught all the time out of context. Because if we back up a few verses, I want, you sh- I want to show you this, Romans 3.20. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. In other words, just by complete obedience that I'm going to be declared righteous. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So what this verse is saying is just because you keep all of the law, you're not going to be declared righteous. You can obey every commandment in the word of God. You, still not, you will still not be declared righteous. You don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with the girls that do. Right? Still, but, but what happens is through the law, we become conscious or aware of sin. So, so it's awesome. The law is good. And it's holy, it just doesn't have the ability to make us good and holy. So what the law does, it helps me understand the fruit. If I understand who I am at the root, when it says, thou shalt love your wife as Christ loved the church, yowza. Right? we, We become aware of sin. Verse 21, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. He's he's about to show us there's a righteousness that is achieved apart from the law. Look again at verse 21. Now righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Notice that it's not about righteousness by keeping the law, but it comes through faith in Christ Jesus to whom? All who show up to church on Sunday. All who do all the right things. No, to all who believe. There is no difference. Verse 23, again, we're back there again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what's the context that it's just been talking about? It isn't sin. It's righteousness. Being in right standing or relationship with God. He tells us that we become righteous by having faith in and believing on Jesus. And this righteousness is made available to everyone who believes. Who's in charge of what you believe? You are. That's right. Not me, not God. God will let you believe whatever you want to believe. To all who believe. Listen, this is why the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
But for us that are being saved, it's the power of God. Gotta believe your promise. Whoa, I can do this. God, I don't believe your promise, so I'm just going to keep living in poverty. I'm going to keep living in lack. I'm going to keep living sick. I'm going to keep living my marriage stinking. So there's no difference between those who keep the law, break the law, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and are justified freely. Say freely. By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement, meaning an appeasement, through faith in his blood. I'm going to close with this because what is the faith? What is faith in the blood of Jesus? Catch all these things real quick. Faith in the blood of Jesus is knowing what Jesus has already done on your behalf. Faith in the blood is knowing and believing in what the cross has already accomplished for you. Faith in the blood of Jesus means that I have a blood-bought right to come boldly into the throne room of God, to talk to my loving Heavenly Father, to have my prayers answered. Faith in the blood of Jesus means that I have a blood-bought right to be healed and to be delivered. Faith in the blood of Jesus means I have a blood-bought right to prosper in all things, even as my soul prospers, to have a great life, to be be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath, to be blessed in the city, to be blessed in the country, to be blessed everything that I put my hand to. I have a blood-bought right. Faith in the blood is knowing that because of the cross, I've been qualified. I've been made fit to receive every one of God's blessings. It means that I can have a successful marriage. It means that I can have a successful career or job. It means that I can raise my kids successfully. It means that I can have success in every area and arena of my life. Because of Jesus. Listen, I know some of you don't believe it yet, but listen to me. When we think about success, what we have a tendency to think is that it's the, it's the easy life. Man, success happens and, man, things just happen. Listen, you find a successful businessman in this church or, or find someone who's successful in working out. And you go up to them and find the person that's working out and say, hey man, how did you get so fit? Man, I just woke up one morning and this happened. It doesn't. You find a businessman who's, who's successful and is, and is accomplishing some things. And you say, man, man th- this must have been so easy. You probably just walked in one day and all this stuff. People start throwing money at you going, man, we just want to buy things from you. No, there is, there's some effort involved. But listen, in, in, the, in the faith, they, they had to believe in faith that they could be fit. They had to believe that they actually could be a success. And so because of them, they love to get up in the morning. They love, they love to do these things because they believe in the end result of what it is that God wants to do in their life. So listen, you have to believe this. You, you, gotta, you gotta believe it. You gotta believe You gotta know it in your knower. Otherwise, the message of the cross to you is just foolishness. So I've touched on a lot of different things that I've talked about, and I know some of your challenge with the issue of prosperity or, or healing. I know it's a challenge for me because I, I've had a mom and two sisters that died of cancer. I've had a dad who died of heart disease. And so when I start talking about health and healing, it's not just because, boy, I've had all these amazing miracles show up in my life. But I know what the Word of God says. By His stripes, we are healed. And listen, I just trust him. I trust what his word says, and I'm just going to walk it out. Whether it shows up in my life, I hope it does, I'm still going to trust in God. 
I'm still going to trust in the promises of God. Why? Because I know that God is a good God who absolutely loves to do good things in the lives of his children. Listen, if you know that, you can rest even in the midst of tragedy. You seriously can. You can be that person that can write a song, it is well with my soul. God, because you're so good. See, we're, we're, so, we're so in the now. God is so in the future. We, he's not a temporary God like we are. He's an eternal God. And he understands eternal things. And what he wants us to understand is eternal things. So the moment you start praying for something and God doesn't answer it in a New York minute, it's not time to give up. Time to say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. Here's what your word says. I trust your word. I trust your promises today. You got to take possession of it. You do, I, I can't make you take this today. I'm trying as hard as I can today. I can't make you take it. You have to take possession of it. You can't just sit back and get beat up when you have a blood-bought right to live in victory. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be a battle. Some of you like a good fight. I'm telling you, though, this doesn't mean that there's not going to be a battle, but God wants you to live in victory. That's why you have to understand what Jesus did on the cross. When you do that, all of a sudden, approaching the Word of God gets exciting. You can't wait to get up in the morning and spend some time in the Word of God. God, I'm going to read one of your promises today. Hey, and I want to encourage you in that. Listen, if, if you're inconsistent, you're just not a real super disciplined person, it's okay. Do it as often as you possibly can. Don't let the devil beat you up the next day and say, well, you didn't do it this yesterday, so why would you do it now? God's not going to listen to you. He's going to listen to you. He's going to talk to you. It's not about the ritual or the form. It's just about getting hungry for the Word of God. There, there are several people in my small group and a lot of other people that I send a, a devotional to. I, I read every morning between three to five devotions and, and different things that really just speak to my heart. And it's got a scripture in there, and then it's got an explanation of the scripture, and, and they're all faith-filled, positive words that I'm like, dude, I'm going to lay hold of that. Because you know what? I've got to be reminded every morning. Because when I wake up in the morning, sometimes what happened yesterday is, is just forgotten. And I wake up and I'm just feeling anxious or fearful and I begin to lock into the promises of God. It begins to change me. So you begin to get hungry for the word of God because you understand that you've got to know the promise for you to believe the promise and for you to walk out the promise that God has for your life. Listen, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, the message of the cross, even for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, can become foolishness and in those areas of our life, we'll find ourselves perishing. God's saying, it's not my plan for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be a success in every area of your life. We've got to believe it. Do you believe it and receive it today? I want to pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.